Fast Forward Productions. The women are speaking. Yeah, it goes back to that messaging that shame really can't bear the light. For us, it doesn't matter how many listeners we have. It's so healing to share some of this stuff, just to be able to speak it into reality. Because I can't be the only one, right? 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 Guys, I'm right. Guys, everyone in the 30s is struggling, right? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I think that's like the shared 30s experience. Hey, everyone. This is Meredith. You're listening to the Afternoon Snack Podcast, which, of course, you know, but this is an extra special episode. It's actually our 100th episode of the podcast, which is pretty hard to believe. So we're going to talk about some of our favorite moments from episodes of the past and how we've changed as people because of the podcast and why this podcast has turned into such an important platform and outlet for us. So Thanks for listening. As always, I'll go ahead and say that in the beginning. It really does mean a lot. We hope you enjoy this episode and the episodes to come. I'm so excited to announce this for our like 100th episode. I know you are too. We were like going to tease it on social media, but decided to make it exclusive to our listeners who have honestly hung in there for 100 episodes. I have absolutely no idea what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, you are. Just like be y- cool. Yeah, I am or yeah, I do. You do. You, you do. We have partnered with Lexus of Calgary to give one lucky listener a Lexus. And we're going to tell you how you I, entered. I totally forgot about that. I know. I don't yeah. remember that at all. Yeah. Well, I set it up. Oh, okay. So you enter, you get at least 100 of your friends to leave us five-star reviews and you screenshot those reviews and you email them to Alex. The 100 screenshots. Yeah. And of all of the people who get their friends to leave five-star reviews, 100 of them, we will pick one lucky winner to give a car. You're getting a car for the 100th episode. (laughs) Okay. So did you ever watch Oprah's Favorite Things episode? Yes. Do you think that what's happening now with our listeners listening to this, do you think they're having the same response as Oprah's listeners are to when they hear the giveaway episode for Oprah? They're just as excited hearing about this giveaway, screaming, crying, crying probably peeing their pants. Thinking, how on earth am I going to pay the gift tax? You know what? Never mind. I'll worry about that. Never. So you're welcome. That's how you do it. And it's easy. Only a hundred of your friends. hundred. We all have a hundred friends, right? Yeah. I can name at least three and like, <laughs> I have a bad memory. So there's do pets count. Yes. Your pet can leave us a review. That's how you do it. The Lexus that we're going to give away is a miniature, like a model car. So the fine print's important. It is a model car and they do want it back. You get to have it for a week. It's like the like talking stick. You can have it. You can take it home, but you have to bring it back. You remember in elementary school sometimes? Yeah. Or like trophies. Yeah. You get to keep for a year, but you have to give them back. Yeah, but we can't even get it for a year. It's a week. It's only a week. And only for people who live in Calgary. Okay. So with the number of listeners we have, I mean, we might have quite a few people to draw from. I'm thinking at least like 12. If my math is correct, that's 1,200 five-star reviews. Yes. You see how it works out disproportionately to our benefit? Yeah. I like this plan. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Anyways, I'm so sorry. Completely off the cuff. We actually don't even have a miniature Lexus. I made that whole thing up. But I wanted to get people excited for this episode because it is our 100th episode. I feel like you shouldn't. Okay, Meredith, you need a lesson on humor. What you're supposed to do is not tell them it's a joke. You leave people wondering forever. Or they ask. They have to be like, okay, wait. So I've lined up 100 friends. Yeah. And now what? And you're like, oh, my God. And that's the joke. That's when it really hits. (laughs) Oh, yeah. But I don't want to lose listeners, which like this does. Think about the material that that would create for the next episode. Guys, someone actually did it. (laughs) (laughs) It's like that's someone who is now never going to listen to your podcast again. By accident, you get more listeners. So it's like that you sacrifice one. Yeah. Mm, I see. I'm a little darker than you are, but that's okay. So I thought we were going to talk about the issue that you have with me getting things done. On the weekends? On the weekends. Yes, we are going to talk about that. Now, I have this problem that has sort of like come to light in the last day (laughs) where I realize like I never sleep in on the weekends. This has been a problem for most of our relationship, but I've only really identified it as a problem recently. So I guess like there are some people who it doesn't matter if it's Saturday or Sunday or Tuesday or Wednesday, they're getting up at 6 a.m pretty much sharp. And so this has created issues for me because I like a weekend sleep in. Like I don't sleep until nine. But like also if you do, more power to you. That's wonderful. I'm proud of you. Yeah, just go ahead, sleep the day away. Live your life in bed. What if people like beds? Okay. The problem is even when I sleep in to like I'll give you a prime example today. I slept in until 7.15. And actually I woke up at like 6.50 and I said, no, Meredith. We made a commitment to ourselves to stay in bed until we see the number seven. So 7.15, I actually like properly wake up. But I don't just like wake up in a gentle way with the sun, with like birds chirping, doing my like stretch. I wake up in a panic because you're out of the bed. I start thinking, well, how long has Alex been awake? Probably since like six. Is she working? Is she like judging me for staying in bed? Like I don't wake up calmly. I wake up legitimately panicked every single morning because you're out of bed. Yeah. And I wake up panicked every single morning because I know that there's a whole list of to do's to get done for the day and I have to get up early to start them. I actually like going to bed. I get excited for the next day. That's why I don't like sleeping in. It's Mm -hmm. like, wow, I think I've said this, like, I don't like going to bed. I just want the next day to come so I can get back to work on everything, on life, do my workouts, just get back to it. But don't you love sleep? I do. I get eight hours of sleep almost on the dot every night. Try to get to bed before 10, wake up at 6. Sometimes a little earlier, sometimes like 6.30. That is enough for me. And it allows for a good solid 16 hours of productive activity. (laughs) I find if I sleep in, I just lose a really important part of the day. I'm the most effective in the mornings too. Define effective. I'm just like sharper. I'm not as distracted. The block between 6 and 9, I get a lot done. I mean, I do too. I just get up at seven. So the block from seven to nine, except on Mondays and Fridays where we kind of rebel against work. But don't you like the feeling? I just like the feeling of like going to sleep, like winding down Yeah, of saying, that'll do, Meredith. That'll do. Rest. I know this about you because you're dramatic about it. You get into bed and it's not like, okay, good night. It's like, oh, oh, God. Oh, that feels good. Oh. (laughs) Good night. It's like that is Meredith literally getting into her side of the bed and like resting her head on the pillow. That's the effect. But it's because I'm so tired. 
at the end of the day, which probably is your fault, partially. Anyways, I'm sure that dynamic exists in many people's relationship where there's one person who wakes up panicked because they have, quote unquote, so much to do. And the other person who wakes up panicked because their panicked partner has been up for some undefined amount of time. Maybe like my personal growth is just letting you do you and not worrying about it so much because it doesn't actually affect me outside of just we're in a relationship. But like how you want to spend your morning hours is for you. I think that is a good plan because I'm not going to (laughs) change. I have been this way my whole life, even on vacation, even on vacation. I feel like I need to get up early on vacation to make the most of being on vacation. When you go to Hawaii? Yeah, like get up at 5. I like Maui because you gain time, the the time change. So you can get up even earlier. You can. You can get up at 5 and it feels like 7 or 8. I think it's a three-hour time change. Yeah. So that's like ideal. But when you get up at five, because I've been to Maui with you, <laughs> you're like, I wish you guys could see what she did, like her face. She's like, yeah. You wake up at five. And then because you're like kind of close to the equator, it's dark for two and a half hours or more. Is it? Pretty sure. I don't think so. Pretty sure the sun comes up at like 730 in Maui most of the year. Well, anyways... Then in Maui, you can get up at five, work out, run, have breakfast, make your lunch, be at the beach by like 10, and then you nap on the beach while you're being productive getting a tan. That's my strategy. The sun rises at 7 a.m. Okay, so that's not that bad. Two hours. Except when everyone is starting to adjust to the time change as it happens over the course of a week or more, except you. Yeah, no, I don't adjust to it. I like getting up early and staying up early. Staying up Early. Yeah. I don't like going to bed late either. You're like, hey, it's 8 p.m. Got to go to bed. Yeah. So we can get up at 5 a.m. <laughs> uh, we need our dinner reservations made at 5.30, please. Thank you. That's you. That is me. Everyone loves it. Mm-hmm. That's why I'm such a joy to be around. Mm-hmm. Screw your sleep routines. My parents, before you entered the photo or the picture, the photo, they used to call our two-week vacation over Christmas in Maui boot camp. Because they're probably trying to like relax and recover from working and... You're like, nope, we're going to the 6 a.m. CrossFit class. We're going to run there. We're going to run back. Pretty much. Pretty much. That's fucked. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that is not. Okay, so just before we started up the podcast, you said to me, I just want a Sunday to do nothing. Legit. So I want to know, what does that look like to you? To do nothing? Probably sleep in until I want to wake up, which would still be 7.30 or so. So by then, up. there's not much of the day left. Yeah, it's but all But anyways, continue. Wake up, go downstairs, have some coffee, read or turn on the TV, watch an hour or so of CBS Sunday morning or some other show, maybe fall asleep on the couch for a mid-morning nap or potentially go back to bed to have it. Start thinking about lunch at some point because I would have probably slept through breakfast. Probably still exercise like later in the day. But no pressure on when. I could do that whenever I really felt like it. Maybe go after my exercise for like a smoothie or um, a cup of coffee, like decaf if it's in the afternoon. Shop without anything specific in mind. Just go shop for like maybe look at some shoes or some like clothes or household goods. Maybe I would buy something. Maybe not. Okay. I would come home. It would be probably 3 to 4 p.m. at that point. I would kick around in the yard, <laughs> like clean up the yard, do some like sort of household chores, but nothing too strenuous. Probably outside if the weather's nice. Okay. I'm bored. Let's move on. <laughs> well, it's my Sunday. Okay. Maybe one day. Maybe. 
today, we thought it would be fun to kind of talk about the evolution of our podcast since it is the 100th episode. Keep it light today. Talk through some of our favorite episodes, how things have changed since we started and personal thoughts on the podcast and like how we feel when certain episodes are released. So this podcast started, the first episode, I think was April of 2020. Does that sound right? Yeah. April 2020. It was titled The Beginning. Actually, I played it this morning. So like, I wonder what that sounded like. And it was like surprisingly okay. Like the intro was okay. It was a little bit long, the music part of it. But the actual podcast was decent. I liked our original music. Which one? We had a few. You could like dance to it. Like the mariachi kind of music. Mariachi music. Yeah. But the first episode was good. And I think this is telling especially in the early part, you may have noticed that there's no episode two on our podcast. It goes one, three, four. So is this really the 99th episode? No, we did record a second episode. But there's only 99 released. Yeah. So this is all for nothing. Alex, don't ruin it. Okay. It's the 100th episode. Just the second episode was never released. No, it was released. And And then then you got so (laughs) panicked by it that you made me take it down. Yeah. And then I thought, well, it's there. It was up. I'm not going to record a new episode two. So we just went right into three. But episode two was at one point up and then Alex made me take it down. Okay. So I'm very conscientious, as you may know by now, if you're a listener. And I thought, especially starting the podcast off, I was reluctant. So every time we recorded an episode, I would listen back to it with the most critical ear. And if there was something in there that I thought could have been taken the wrong way misperceived or I just was like embarrassed or I thought I sounded stupid or I made a grammatical error, I would stamp that as like, just, you can't post that. And pretty much had a panic every time Meredith put a podcast up or every time we recorded a podcast. Accurate. And then she stopped listening to me. I did. And just I'm like, this is pu- getting yeah. brutal because you would want to record it and then you would want to listen to it. And then you'd want to send it to your mom to listen yeah. to it. And then you'd be like, I don't know. I don't know if we should put it up. So eventually I was just like, we're not, I'm not doing that anymore. It's not that I don't respect your opinion, but what a waste of time. (laughs) I still get pretty nervous about certain podcasts going up. I'm really worried about something. I just won't listen to it until after it's up. And if I'm really, really worried about it, I just don't listen to it at all. And (laughs) I just trust that like Meredith has a good enough ear and has enough perspective to know like if something is needs to be cut out or we don't really cut much out. It's pretty organic, but yeah, just trusting. And interestingly, the podcasts that I have been the most nervous about have been the most well-received, the most comments back, the most just like shared, all of that. What podcasts that we've done have made you the most uncomfortable? Probably the one, the Alex is Embarrassed episode. That one was scary for me to release. The one that I did by myself also, probably even like, This was early on, like the coming out podcasts. Yeah. Because that was kind of the first time where I was like pretty vulnerable. To tell a story you hadn't really told publicly Mm -hmm. start to finish. Yeah. Yeah. Understandable. And then even the one, the most recent one, the CrossFit one, Mm -hmm. I thought that one was like some of the things I was pretty forthcoming about. And even like our Valentine's Day podcast, anything that's more personal to me, I find a little bit like nervous about sharing. I bet you that most podcasters who do share a bit about their lives would feel the same. Well, interestingly, they had in the book, The Practice of Groundedness, Brad Stahlberg mentioned a study, and I can 
maybe find it for the notes, but basically when someone shares something that they perceive as a weakness of theirs, the other person who they're sharing it with perceives it as a sign of strength. And I sometimes have to remember that when I share something that is a weakness or an area for growth or something vulnerable or something I've never really told that maybe people won't see that as a weakness, but rather a sign of strength and kind of maybe inspire them to share their own insecurities or vulnerabilities. And I don't do anything to inspire people, but I think it can have that impact, which is always a nice side benefit to sharing. I think especially in the age of the internet where so many people just sort of put forth their front stage selves, kind of the best version, even coaches, even people who do, you know, put, they want to exist in the space to quote unquote, inspire people. There's a lack of connection to people like that who only put that type of messaging out. The two episodes after the first one, episodes three and four, were basically our coming out story. So part one and two. It wasn't done for any specific reason at the time. It was like, okay, well, what do we have to talk about? At that time, I mean, that was three years ago. And we were still kind of developing as coaches and kind of working on what our philosophy was going to be. So really, our personal stories were kind of the most interesting thing we had and also impactful. But I think that set the stage for how the podcast was going to be. And even though there's episodes that are more scientifically focused, they're more specific, I think the sharing and the vulnerability of those two episodes sort of was like, and they were so well received. It was like, okay, we can share and feel safe doing it. Mm -hmm. A podcast always is a little bit safer because someone can have a negative opinion of it. What, like, what do they do with that negative opinion? They can't post it. They can't blast it. They can't say anything like nasty for other people to see. They just have it. And then maybe they don't listen or maybe they do because they're that person. But yeah, I think in the world that we live in, there's so many people who are, I think, just looking for connection. And it's almost like, you know, you look to people and you look for proof. Are you grounded enough to just coexist with me? And are you vulnerable enough to do that? Like whether you realize it or not, like sharing those parts of your life that make you uncomfortable just to release the episode is what allows people to connect with you as a person. It's like hard to, to put your finger on what that is, like verbally. It's intangible. It's hard to describe. But I think that's what that is. You have someone who's both inspiring in the way that they live their lives and what their values are and the things that they say and how they hold themselves out. But you're like, oh, this person is also a human being and they struggle and they're not perfect and they don't pretend to be perfect. I think that's rare. I mean, I, I have definitely have feelings about certain things that are said, but as far as like posting episodes, I kind of just want to get it out there. Because I think for so long, for me anyways, I wanted to see myself reflected back at me. Like I didn't have that. What does that mean? Like other people, both literally in my life, but online, just like people living a life and saying things that resonated with me as a human being. Like we didn't have the same amount of role models as straight kids. Yeah. There's non-other people. Yeah. And this isn't the reason why we do this or where the idea came from. But as you know, we're big fans of Brandy Carlisle and we have other, I guess, celebrity fans of other people. But I think like I feel connected to Brandy because like, you know, you go to her concerts or you listen to her on podcasts and she just like is human and regular. And like she shares parts of her life that are so normal that you do, you feel connected. And also you don't have to over identify with 
this like one facet of your identity, which people who make being gay and queer a big part of their lives, that's totally fine. I think advocacy and visibility is really important no matter how you choose to do it. But there's also like power in doing it quietly and just saying you can live your life and have everything that you want to have and be gay. And this is what it can look like. Yeah, I think natural, just like human sharing is nice. And you get that more so with podcasts. And I think you do just general social media. It makes you feel like connected in a way and safer and encouraged to like open up and share and connect with other people in your life. So, I mean, how many people and not even just about like being gay or queer trans, how many people have reached out and just like thanked you for sharing? A lot. Yeah, that's a big deal. It's been positive. It's easier too to share on podcasts when you have theories, like to go back to one of our favorite episodes, which was like goal setting and timelines a year ago now. And that was spurred by a post that we did and then some conversations that we had internally with our coaches. I have so many thoughts and I was like, yeah. we got to record a podcast. I think we went right upstairs into where we record podcasts and just recorded. Yes. And that was one of my favorite episodes yep. that we had ever recorded. And again, like, you know, there's still that part of me that's like, who am I to have like theories on goal setting or like, you know, I'm sure that's a theory that had been come up with before, but I felt like I had come up with it myself based on experience and working with other people. And I was thinking like, wow, how cool is it that I can kind of put this out there to our listeners? And even if no one listened, it's a growth opportunity, I think. That podcast is called How Timelines Can Derail Your Goals and Joy. It was released on May 22nd, 2022. Yeah, that one was one of our better ones, I think. Yeah, well, it was such a like hearty debate and talking point online that it was like, yeah, we should immortalize this mm-hmm. with a podcast. Mm-hmm. That was one of the first ones that kind of like, this is our take. This is our philosophy. This is what we believe. Instead of sort of an interpretation of other people's philosophies and way of doing things, it was like, no, this is us. Like, it's scary to own a thought process or a theory as your own. I think that was the moment, and not to toot my own horn here, like, that was the moment where I kind of did gain a little bit of confidence in like what we do and how much I'm learning and the way that we think and the messaging, it felt like it was finally like ours rather than a regurgitation of like what we've learned or what we've read. It was a culmination of all of that, but it felt like something almost novel to share and to use. And I still think about that so often because with so many people, our communication centers around goal setting. Yeah. So it's really helpful to kind of have a sense of, is this a goal that should have a timeline? Or if someone comes and says like, hey, I have this goal of losing 10 pounds in two months. Like you can talk through it because you've already talked through it on a podcast, but you can also send that person the podcast and say like, these are our thoughts here. Like, let me know what you think. Yeah. Yeah. That was definitely one of my favorite episodes. It really speaks to kind of how we operate as a business. I mean, there's never been a timeline. I think a lot of people set out to grow their business at a specific rate or achieve certain milestones. Number one, I don't think we've ever set that goal. And Number two, we've certainly never put a timeline on anything except for like things that actually need to happen on like a specific point in the calendar. But it's funny, we get occasionally a question on how did you get your business to where it is? Or how did you figure this out? How did you grow so much? And like the honest answer is like we didn't try to do it. We just did what we did. We grow our client base through our coaching team, put out good information for free on a couple of different channels and just have fun with like sharing our perspective and our views. That's what does it. 
And then you just have to be patient and consistent. And we've, again, talked about this before on trusting the process and letting the results be the results. It's something that we preach to so many of our clients because so many of our clients have body composition, weight loss, health, performance goals. These goals take time, just like growing a business takes time, just like starting a career and like building that takes time. I truly think that even though we may not have weight loss goals or body composition goals at this point in our life, like, yes, I have a performance goals, but I think we practice what we preach in the business sense. It's like, okay, this week we didn't have growth. Just like this week I didn't lose weight, but that's not going to change anything for this next week. We're going to keep doing what we do because we trust that it will work. Even though the results weren't instant this week or reflective. It's the same thing with like, we never set out with the goal of making a certain amount of money or having a certain number of clients because you can't control that. You have to focus on what you can control, what you can do on a daily basis. We've seen this firsthand not work in the business sense. We have people working for us who are so consumed with making a certain amount of money or having a certain number of clients and they lose sight on actually just doing the job well and focusing on what they can to be a better coach that they don't even get the end result. Just like when you focus so hard on losing a certain number of pounds or lifting a certain amount of weight, like you lose sight of what you need to be doing on a daily basis and you end up not achieving that goal or going backwards or like staying in the same spot. And it just, it reinforces that messaging that you have to just keep going. And if over the course of two, three, six months, even a year, you look back and you're like, we're not growing. Like this is enough time to make a conclusion. Well, let's change course. Yeah. But you give it an amount of time first to see if it does work. And explore broadly, like work in different areas with different types of people. And we work with all types of people really, but we did position ourselves as like a performance nutrition company for a long time. Like we were kind of looking at athletes and people who were holding themselves as athletes and then found that we actually work better with and get more fulfillment out of working with non-athletes. Non-athletes, people still have athletic goals and exercise and things like that, but more recreational, more like in a way that needs to fit in with other obligations and values and is just one piece of the puzzle for people. We wouldn't have figured that out without first exploring more broadly different avenues in which we could work. And then same thing with where do we want to be sharing our information? We've done it all. We've had Instagram, we had Facebook community, YouTube, email lists. We've done it all. And for us, like what the biggest bang for our buck at the moment is Instagram. And we narrowed our focus to that where other companies and other people may have better luck and figured out that they like working on like the Facebook space or on YouTube. It's like, how do we really push the issue with YouTube? I, I don't think then we would be where we are right now. I think it would have been too distracting. And obviously the podcast. Hello. Yeah. The podcast has been fun. What do you think is the funniest podcast that we've done? A lot of them have sort of sections. We'll call them acts like a play. <laughs> what do you think is the funniest little section of a podcast that we've ever recorded? Most recently, the debacles of the trip to North Carolina with <laughs> yeah. the panties and all that was kind of funny. But then I think one of our most hilarious episodes, and probably just because I was uncontrollably laughing, and it was before we had producers who probably would have been like, we got to cut that out. I think it was like two or three minutes of me straight laughing, not even being able to talk. That it was when we went to Jasper for the symphony and it was our social anxiety episode where we couldn't find places to sit at dinner. Yep. And that's like having an embarrassing moment while recording a podcast, just like recalling that story. But if you want to listen to that, it is actually quite funny. It's episode 46. That was October 20th, 2021. 
And it's, I think, around 15 minutes in, we're sort of telling the story about trying to find somewhere to sit in a ballroom, like a kind of a wedding venue type place, right after they had lifted a lot of the restrictions from COVID. So we just didn't really know how to behave ourselves. It's funny, though. We yeah. can blame COVID, but really, we just didn't just know how us. to behave ourselves. <laughs> yeah, that one we listened to this morning. And it's like, I know that story. I've heard it. And even still, I was just sitting at the table, like cackling, laughing yeah. so hard. Yeah, I like that one. For sure. And then when you recorded the one by yourself, that was pretty hilarious, I think. And very off, not off brand, but not within our pattern of recording behavior. There are just moments in time and they happen like maybe every six to 12 months where I'm like, I need to write all of these like ideas that I have down. The most recent was the email about radical acceptance or like the idea to do my own podcasts. I really like those moments, but I do find that just because the business is very demanding. It's hard for me to kind of get into that creative mindset sometimes. Yeah. But when I an idea comes to me and I have a few hours to write, it's so fulfilling. And it's yeah. so cool that I have a platform to share it on, yeah. whether it's the podcast or the email list or that sort of thing. And I'm really grateful for that. Oh, enough people care and follow along that you can be like, hey, guys, check this out. And it's just different than Instagram. Like sharing on a, an email list or a podcast is different. I think the one that we got the most, well, I don't, I'm not going to say the most feedback because that radical acceptance episode got a lot of listens and shares and feedback. And that was probably one of our better episodes. Self-love. Yeah. Which is so funny because it was supposed to be a, quite a lighthearted podcast. And then it ended up getting quite heavy, I guess. Not heavy in a bad way, just like full of nuggets. But before that one, the Valentine's Day episodes, which were a two-parter, parts one and two, where we talk about conflict. Mm -hmm. That one, I think, was a pretty powerful episode, impactful and quite candid. It's like, wait, you're talking about this? Yeah, I think that one came at the right time because had we tried to talk through that like two years ago, I don't think we would have known what to say because we didn't have an understanding of our dynamic. No. And it probably would have been like, yeah, we fight about this and this is what happens. Whereas like now it's like, this is kind of why we fight. This is what happens and this is why because we've been to therapy and we've had help learning to understand each other. Yeah. And enough curiosity to like want to understand mm -hmm. not only each other, but like yourself in a way that makes you a better person, I guess. And just recording those episodes and getting the feedback that we did get and then hearing about other people in their relationship. Like I feel really lucky, even though there's a lot of facets of our relationship that are still very difficult, specifically with conflict and what we're both kind of working on. Like I'm grateful still, which like, again, radical acceptance, you can be grateful even when things aren't going great. I'm grateful that we both have enough curiosity and love for one another that it's worth it to keep exploring and keep trying to understand and be better. Because I see so many people who are in one-sided relationships, which is, doesn't mean that the relationship is lacking in love. It's not. But you see a lack of curiosity in some ways that hold people back. And it's like your relationship could be even better if both people or one person would demonstrate a little bit more openness and curiosity about themselves. But I also understand not everyone is like in a place mentally to do that kind of work because it's really hard. Probably the hardest work that there is to do, which I've decided is just what your 30s are for. I know. I was, I was just thinking that. We were talking the other day and it was like, why for both of us, did we get to kind of our early 30s? And I don't want to sound dramatic here, but like shit kind of hits the fan. It yeah. was like everything was kind of fine and dandy in life. And then all of a sudden it's like, 
damn, I have a lot of like problems. Yeah. <laughs> and I wonder part of that is like being in a relationship for five or six years, like that's when you really start to like, you know, that the relationship dynamic gets difficult and your relationship is such a big part of your life that when something feels wrong about it, it can be really emotionally impactful because it's like you almost realize like, wow, this is like such a big part of my life. What if I lose it? At least that's for me. But then there's also like, you know, you're probably deeper into a career at that point. And then you're asking yourself questions like, is this what I want to be doing? Like I'm in my mid thirties now. I've dedicated this much of my life to this. Do I keep going? It's almost like 30 is the midlife crisis. Yeah. Early to mid thirties, I think for- It's the third life crisis. The third life? Yeah. Cause it's like, say you live to like 80. Oh, 90. I see. Like one third of your life. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's like the question of like a lot of people probably make the decision of having kids around this time, like clocks ticking, man. Yeah. Or woman. Yeah. Person. There's a lot of things that happen around this time. At least that's what I'm chalking it up to. Because I can't be the only one. Right. 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 Guys. (laughs) I'm right. Everyone in their 30s is struggling. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think that's like the shared 30s experience. But I think the dust kind of settles on your 20s and you're like looking around. You're like, (laughs) is this who I am? Yeah. Who am I? (laughs) You know? And so it's maybe your 20s are just a little bit more distracting with the things that you're doing, the experiences that you're having, good and bad. And I think for me anyways, it took me until like this year and I'm still in definitely the shit to be able to like look at myself and even begin to understand how this has happened. (laughs) (laughs) You know, like I have unresolved trauma and grief. And like, I'm starting to realize like, I just have all of these like holes in who I am that I didn't realize were there because I was so distracted by the really good parts. Not that I'm like trying to hide things so that it's not really good now. It is. And I'm really happy, but I can give more attention to these areas in which I'm like, oh shoot, I'm broken. Yeah. I don't like the word necessarily broken, but yeah, like there are unresolved issues and room for healing. I hate that word, but I also love it. So yeah, like as an example, like probably very similar to you. Like when I lost my sister, I was 23, I think, 22. And it was like, all right, go back to school. Got to do your senior year. And then right after that, I was like, okay, let's like, yeah, I took a year off. But it was like, okay, now I've found CrossFit. So like I was totally invested well, in CrossFit. Well, and law school. And then it's like, okay, now we're going to go to law school. Like now that my, like, I have a partner, I have a career that I'm genuinely just loving I have like a house. I, d- I don't have those things that I'm like striving for. It's not like the next year that like a new group of friends, like the, the next it's like, and now it's like the volcano is kind of rumbling again. Oh, okay. Yeah. And it's kind of like, Hey Alex, like, you know, you had a lot of trauma from when your sister died or like whatever that is. Like you never really dealt with it. Yeah. And, also and like not, not saying that that always is something you have to like go back and deal with, but it does play a role in kind of like how you develop some of that stuff or even farther back, or like, you just start noticing. Yeah, like you're in a place where you can't really run from it. And maybe you don't want to, or maybe you do, I don't know. Or I'm kind of like, I think there's growth in not running from it, just kind of sitting with it and letting myself feel certain things that I haven't felt. And I don't even know how to articulate (laughs) because I haven't had enough (laughs) therapy sessions. (laughs) Yeah. And again, like, I'm really grateful that I, like, I know some people come from a much more traumatic background than I have and have kids and responsibilities and 
they have a life where they don't get to dedicate a lot of time or bandwidth or energy into un- like beginning to understand themselves. So again, like, is it uncomfortable? Yeah. Like, do I wake up some days and not feel like myself? I do. But I'm also like really grateful for the ability and the freedom to be able to do that and be able to get on with my life and yeah. not have, yeah, I don't know how to explain yeah, it. Yeah. I mean, you think Alex and Meredith are awesome now. Just wait for Alex and Meredith in like four or five years. Oh my God. And we're like fully realized. Oh my gosh. And no like idea. we're just floating. There's nothing weighing us down. I know that that's a little bit of a magical thinking probably, but I do think to go back to the podcast, because this is really the topic, like podcasts, I'm not a huge podcast person. And this might just be my perception on like who I follow and who I follow on Instagram and that sort of thing. But I do find that podcasts have helped me realize a lot of this, like finding like rich role and some of the people that he has on, like, it's so vulnerable. It's so raw. Some of his guests. And I'm like, wow, this is amazing. Like, I think I listened to even armchair expert with Bradley Cooper. I was like, holy moly, like Bradley Cooper is talking about his life like this. Like, that's amazing. Like it's inspiring. It makes you not feel alone. It makes you realize like, Hey, there can be a lot more to life. If you just stop for a second and like, look at what could be improved upon and like who you are as a person. And if you're happy with who you are. And I like kind of, I mean, we're nobodies, but I guess everyone is kind of a nobody until there is somebody Like we're not amazing like celebrities or gold medalist Olympians. Like we're just kind of at this point, somewhat regular people striving for goals. But it's still nice to hear another person talk about their life and growth and healing and process and struggles and all that. And I I just like I said, I don't think you can get that anywhere really else unless you're talking to somebody one on one. You just don't see it on social media as much. No. And if you do, it's like snippets of a podcast. So I think that's where the podcast has been super powerful for us. And from my experience, just hearing other podcasts, it's like, dang. Yeah. Dang. I mean, people tend to seek out podcasts to serve specific roles and they're looking for something, except maybe people who listen to Huberman. They're looking for Huberman. What does Huberman want to talk about today? But otherwise, like, I think people kind of seek out information that resonates with them. And it's not like we're trying to put out information specifically to resonate with people, but just talking and normalizing certain struggles and experiences and ways of living resonates. It's what I needed. I'm trying to be the person I needed. That's it. That's all. That's my goal. Someone asked me that not too long ago or came up and I just said, I'm trying to be the person that I needed when I was younger. Not like a kid or the early 20s. Maybe before I got married the first time, that would have been a nice time to have me in my life. <laughs> me. To be like, hey, you shouldn't do that. <laughs> you sure about that? Are you sure about that? Yeah. But again, like I told that story in my coming out episode and a lot of people were like, hey, yeah, I, I did that. I got married in my 20s to a man. I was gay. I knew I was gay and I did it anyways. That's common. It helps to hear. Yeah. It helped, it helped me to hear that, to have people message me because I put that out there and I always feel like kind of an idiot when I tell I'm like, I just feel like I get judged for that specifically. People are like, no, that's very common. Yeah. It goes back to that messaging that shame really can't bear the light. And it's like, for us, it doesn't matter how many listeners we have. It's so healing to share some of this stuff, just to be able to speak it into reality. Shame is like a mushroom. It grows in like dark, cool, damp, hidden places. But as soon as it's in the sun, it withers away. Yeah. Even just telling one person, and I think probably, like you said, sharing our experiences and then having 
somebody feel comfortable enough to share their experience with us personally. Yeah. Whether it's on like Instagram or email, that's like probably super nice for them as well. It kind of starts a different cycle, not the shame cycle, a different cycle. Oh, I had someone message after the last, was it the last episode or one of the recent ones that we recorded about retiring from CrossFit. And I told that story about how I lost that part of my competitive drive and that edge and when we got in a relationship and it got serious because I wasn't using CrossFit to like fill my holes. I wasn't trying to hide from my pain. I wasn't trying to dampen my emotions. And so now that my life has improved in a specific way, I find I don't have the edge anymore. And someone messaged and said it was a shared experience, but they hadn't been able to verbalize it. And so I thought that was pretty amazing feedback to hear because I'm sure like I was for a long time, I was just confused and I was kind of mad at myself. It was like I wanted it, but I also knew for some reason I I wasn't going to be able to get it back, at least not for the same reasons, not through that channel. Like that door closed to me. I always appreciate when people message that Mm -hmm. a specific part in a podcast was impactful because it's like it helps me to know that it's not just me who's having an experience, which I know there's like billions of people. I know it can't be just me, but sometimes it just feels like it's. Oh, 100%. (laughs) Sometimes it feels like it's just you. Yeah. Often it does. It's very easy to feel alone in in today's society in so many respects. Yeah. It's funny how many of the notes that I get or that we get start with like people apologizing for sending a note or saying, "I, I don't normally do this or I hope it's okay that I share this feedback. I'm like 100% share it. Like, I don't care if we get so big that getting thousands of DMs a week on our podcast, like share it. Yeah. Let us know. It's like, number one, probably like it's helpful to get it out and type out your experience, but also like selfishly, it normalizes things for us. Yeah. I've actually gotten into the habit. I mean, I don't, I don't obviously don't share like every aspect of my life or my struggles and it it will come with time. Like you can share more and more as you process it yourself, but it's like, I've experienced so many benefits and seen the value in opening up to people that sometimes I share something with someone and after I'm like, oh, should I have done that? Like, I want to make a connection. And I don't like talking about myself a lot, but sometimes I'll just say like, we'll talk, be talking to like a new couple and I'll be like, oh yeah, Meredith and I argue about that quite a bit. Yeah. And it's like, well, that's not something you normally hear from people. No. Yeah. But is there anything wrong with that? I don't think so. And I think normalizing that, even if it can make someone even a slightly uncomfortable, it's like, you don't need to make a big deal about it. I feel like we are hopefully pushing people to do more of that because I think it's important. Yeah. I think so too. It's kind of marking a like a change in our business and our the way that we... And like, I felt this for a long time. Like on one hand, we're a science-based nutrition company and we still do a lot of that. But on the other hand we're kind of just becoming more of a coaching company. And so there's this interesting mix on the podcast, on our social media platforms. I wouldn't call it like an identity crisis for our brand, but it's definitely things are shifting more towards behavior change and general coaching and away from very nuanced and granular nutrition Mm -hmm. information. Oh, absolutely. So I don't know if like where we're going long-term is to just like make that switch eventually and coach people on their nutrition while coaching behavior and mindset and other things. But yeah, it's been an interesting and kind of slow pivot that we've been experiencing. What should I like? I want to be coaching for a long time and involved in this space for a long time. And one of the best things about 
owning your own business and being in charge is that you control the trajectory of where it goes. And that's like ultimately why we started Tactic back in 2018 was to be in control of the messaging, in control of the trajectory and be able to take it where we want to go, whether that's, yeah, performance nutrition or corporate wellness or more lifestyle coaching. We can do whatever we want or we can do all of it, which is what we're doing now. Yeah. And having a team of coaches helps with that as well. Cause you know, somebody might sign on and be like, I really like the podcast. I like the messaging. I need someone who's going to coach me on mindset. It's like, okay, so you might be a better match for, I don't know, Meredith. And then you have Lindsay who like, of course she can coach all of that because she learns and she reads, but like maybe she or Marissa or one of our other coaches might be like, they're more interested in the science. So if you're a client that's like, I really want to hone in on my nutrition. I want to understand like the impacts it's having on my body, then maybe you go with a different coach. Yeah. So that's like another, it just expands our, what we can offer. Yeah, for sure. Also, I just want to make note, like we've also had almost all of our coaches now on the podcast, only yeah. a few more to go. And that has been awesome as I well. Love this. They're like my favorite episodes. I know. And so Lindsay's excited. kind of making more of a showing. She always brings like a ton of information. Yeah. It's just been so great to kind of showcase so many different parts of us tactic. Can wear we have hats. some freaking awesome episodes coming up. Oh yeah. It's going to be so, I mean, not that we're not going to spoil it, but no, it's going to be really cool. The summer is going to be really fun. And yeah, I guess this is probably a good place to just take a moment to appreciate everyone who has listened since the beginning or even since the middle, or maybe you're just getting into our podcast. It means a lot. Like every single listen, every single comment, even the emojis that Alex hates. Like it's awesome to hear that you're listening and that you like the episodes. It means a lot to have your support. And yeah, it's just, it's been a really great time for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we, I don't know if we'd be doing it if we had zero listeners, but it's a definite perk to have so many. So thank you. You're welcome. Alex, I was looking at you when I was saying that and I, I was thinking to myself, I'm going to say thank you and she's <laughs> going to say you're welcome. And then right on cue, that's exactly what you did. But wouldn't have it any other way for sure. How do you want to sign off here, Alex? I think just with, uh, yeah, I, I think you did it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Having a platform to share and open like has been a huge growth opportunity for us. And we hope that listening and putting some of our actions, behaviors, advice to practice in your life has made your experience more positive, even if very small. Are you getting watery again? A little. Yeah. Well, that's so. It's okay. Yeah. Because it means something. All right. Well, thank you. Like, subscribe, share, and definitely stay tuned in the coming weeks for the episodes we have coming up because they're going to be the bomb over and out. <laughs> <laughs>